Hey man, welcome to The Pursuit of Manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of The Pursuit of Manliness. And what I'm going to share today on this video um, is a reflection of what I shared on our tribe Zoom call recently. When uh, the men that sign up for tribe, we have a, um, a Skype type of call, a Zoom call every two weeks. And we talk about a specific topic. And this last conversation, we talked about lust, temptation, and pursuing um, a life of victory, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, one of the things we want to do with Pursuit of Manliness, and I say it all the time because I want to remind you, but also remind myself, is equip men to pursue biblical manliness. One of the best ways of equipping them is attempting to put tools and resources into their hands and helping us build better men together. One of the ways that we build better men together is engaging community within the content. And that's, that happens in our closed Facebook group. It happens here. It happens on any platform uh, where you'll find the pursuit of manliness that I'd love for you to leave a comment uh, below this video. Let me know what resonates with you. Let me know what questions you have or uh, the victories you have or the resources you've used that have helped you become uh, victorious, certainly in this area. And as always, if you click subscribe on any of the platforms, uh, podcasts, videos, wherever, uh, you'll never miss any content and um, try to put out content uh, on a regular basis to keep the conversation going. So let's get into it today. We're talking about lust, temptation, and and, uh, and victory. Forgive me, not envy. Victory. Uh, the reason why we have this conversation as men is because I've met very few men who this hasn't been somewhat of an issue for through their lives. Um, I, I, men predominantly struggle with lust and temptation when it comes to uh, the opposite sex. And even, you know, certainly in our day, the conversation is changing about same sex. And so as far as that attraction, what that looks like and um, what falling into temptation and, and, and giving into lust and what those desires mean and, and how we can have that victory. And I think it's important for us to have that conversation naturally. Women typically do not struggle with this area the same as men. This is why, as we talk about accountability, you need to find another guy that's going to, on this journey with you, that's going to say, now nah, I get it, man. I, I've been on that same place. I've been in that same place. Um, while I think you should, your wife should be your best friend, you tell everything to her, I no secrets, you know, I believe in all that. Um, it's still going to be different having these conversations with a guy um, than with your wife, and certainly not at all having them with another female that's not your wife. So when we look at this, I always like to go back to, you know, what's the, where, where do we get this from? Where, where was the first type of temptation? And we go back to Genesis, Genesis 3, where uh, Satan tempted Eve and said, did God really say, you know, kind of actually says in my translation, ESV, did God actually say, and that word actually is important because um, and it almost sounds like it's over the top. Did God actually say you can't eat from any tree? Well, that's not at all what God said. God said you can eat from all the trees except for the one you just happen to be hanging around. That's the one tree you're supposed to avoid. And Satan would love to do that. He'd love to over-sensualize whatever uh, God's words and make them something that's just ridiculous and manipulate them and twist them. And they become something that God never intended them to be. So Eve engages in this conversation. Adam, we don't know where he is. He's clearly he's right there, or he's in the neighborhood, and he's not uh, saying, "No, let me let me check with God or double checking his work." Nothing like that. Uh, they just eventually fall to temptation. And there's five things I think we can get when it comes to temptation, when it comes to specifically to lust, that I think we can realize. And if we realize this, we can start to walk in victory. The first one is identifying desire. I mean, anything lustful, any kind of temptation is loaded with um, desire. You have a desire in this thing. You see it, you want it. Um, you know, I have the garage door up today. You can see someone walking down the street. They, they can be very attractive and you, 
you can notice them. There's nothing wrong with noticing them. It's when you notice them and then you kind of follow them out the door and keep watching them and uh, have thoughts about them or wonder if they're married or wonder you know, if they have children or where they live, where they walk into. Do they walk the same place every day of the week? You know, that's, that's beyond you know, a desire. It always starts with desire. You, ever, you, know, you ever found yourself uh, in the kitchen? Walking around saying, man, I just need something to eat. And you don't. You're not hungry. You're just bored or you're looking for something to bring some kind of desire to you. The second one is delight. Not only do you see the desire, but beyond that, you begin to delight in it. If I were to have that, if I were to engage in that, if I were to look again, if I were to click on that hashtag, if I were to go to that website, it would be, it would be enjoyable. I'd find enjoyment in this. This is the next step into sin. So I see something appealing and then I'm starting to take that next step. And the third one is probably the most dangerous one. The third one is, um, that it's going to be anonymous. How often do you think about your sins? Do you think nobody's ever going to know this? Right? Satan didn't lead off with that. Actually, he actually said that when you realize this, you're going to know the difference between good and evil. Well, they knew the difference and they didn't like it. Uh, sin always will overpromise and underdeliver. So, uh, this idea that it's anonymous, that it's just it's just my phone. I'm just scrolling on my phone. I'm just clicking on that. I don't follow that page, so nobody knows that I checked out that content. I just go to it occasionally. I don't, you know, I just uh, always sit by that person at work. I always, you know, make sure that um, I go to their office. I always, you know, those things. It, it's very anonymous, right? Like there's no big deal. It's not a, you know, it's just um, nobody's going to know. Maybe they, maybe you think that nobody even pick up on the fact that you're doing these things. And uh, that, that's dangerous in itself. The fourth one is this. There's no consequence. That's what sin wants to convince you of, that there's no consequence. You know, it's a one-time thing, or it's, it's a small habit, or it's your, it's your release from work. It's your thing that you do. Uh, nobody knows, and there, it doesn't affect anybody. And we know as Christians that not only does it affect us, it does actual damage to our heart. I'm not talking about physical like damage. I'm talking about spiritual damage. And as you're affected, so is your marriage, and so is your children, and so is your grandchildren. Uh, the Bible speaks to this, that our sins, uh, with, without being repented of, uh, will follow us. And then it, it eventually be handed down like a family recipe to our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. All because we were too prideful and arrogant to repent and confess our sins. And the last one is this, that there'll be some kind of enjoyment that will be better for it. And once I see it, uh, once I realize I want to engage in it, once I think nobody's going to know about it, and and I think there's no consequences, uh, then I will find great enjoyment in this. That There'll be something positive that comes from me engaging in this sin. Whether it's pornography, or gambling, or alcohol, drugs, whatever... You're flirting, you know, um, just shooting that text message. It's all, it's all harmless, and that, no, it's it's no big deal. And uh, we convince ourselves this idea that we're better for it, and that's really a lot like what uh, Satan told Jesus in the garden, or forgive me, uh, when he was in the wilderness being tempted for forty days in Matthew four. He starts off with, "If you are the Son of God," he actually says that in verse three and verse eight. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that Jesus uses Scripture in return to respond to him about that statement. But the idea, if you are the Son of God, what he wants to do is get Jesus to think about his place with God. If he does that with the Messiah of the world to get him to question or even ponder for a moment his position with God, how much more so does he do that with you? He knows in Genesis 1.27 that you, I, we are created in God's image. If he can destroy that image, if he can destroy the idea of who you are, as a man, as a husband, as a parent, as a grandparent, as a pastor, as a neighbor, uh, that he just starts to wear away that idea, your position with God is not really that important. And then he goes on to verse 9 and says, All these I will give you. As Satan 
wants to convince you he's in the business of giving you something good. You know, look at Las Vegas Strip. Look at down in uh, New Orleans, I think it's Bourbon Street. Or look at these places where all this sin is rampant. It's like, look what you could have. Look what I could give you. And and that's that's what we get when we engage in sin. We're, we're given something. But we rarely, if ever, like what we've actually been given. And the consequences that follow, we definitely don't like those by any means. And so Satan says, look at all I can give you. I can give you everything. And that's what he does with us as well when it comes to lust and it comes to temptation, is he wants to convince you that he can give you something and somehow God is withholding something from you. If you get it, if you grab it, if you own it, if you now click on it, if you follow it, um, while you still think it's anonymous, there's no consequences. It's very enjoyable. Look what he gave you. It's so pleasing. And once you accept it once, it's so much easier to accept it the second time, the third time. And eventually this becomes a lifestyle. This becomes a habit. And what you have to do is you need to repent of this. You need to confess these sins. You need to bring them out into the light. There's a lot of verses, and I'll post some into this video link here. But uh, I want to focus on uh, uh, three people as we begin to wrap this up. Three people who... uh, face temptation in the Bible. The first one I'm going to look at is uh, Old Testament Joseph. We're going to, just going to touch on these guys briefly. Old Testament Joseph's temptation was every day he went into the house of Potiphar. And every day, according to Genesis 39, Potiphar's wife had pursued him and now she tries to entrap him. What Joseph did is he resolved in his heart that he wasn't going to give into temptation. He obviously had worked through some things to make sure that he wasn't going to give into it. So much so that she had to create a strategy and got everyone out of the house to try to uh, rape him and make him sleep with her. Now, that probably is not happening with you at work or happening with you online. So if you have an employment or a job where you feel tempted, that you feel like this person is very attractive, that you've uh, maybe had thoughts about leaving your spouse or thoughts about what a, a relationship or life might be like with this person, you need to get out of there. You need to leave. There's nothing good that's going to come from that. I don't care what Satan tells you. I don't care what the culture tells you. You need to look beyond your nose. It's going to be destructive. And in 20 and 30 years from now, you're still going to be paying uh, the, the price for that decision. I know it doesn't sound like it right now, and you're probably blocking a lot of those things out, but if you don't embrace that and say, listen, this is ridiculous, this is sin consuming me, uh, it will destroy you. Now, Joseph didn't have a lot of choice. He couldn't quit his job. He was a prisoner. He was a slave. Uh, But you can. You have that option. Uh, Number two would be David. And in 2 Samuel 11 and 12, he sees Bathsheba uh, having a bath, and he wants her to come over and uh, apparently dry off at his place. So they bring her over, even telling her, listen, this is Uriah's wife. He doesn't care. He gets her pregnant. She tells him, I'm pregnant. He eventually, through a series of schemes, uh, has to get Uriah in the front line of battle and have him killed. Uriah dies. The baby eventually dies that Bathsheba has um, with David. And Nathan has to rebuke him, has to call him out for his sin. And uh, what's interesting with the life of David after that, while he is a man after God's own heart, while he is the father of Solomon, and a lot of good came from him, look at what happened with Amnon and Tamar and and Absalom. and It's just a, a mess. His leadership and influence was never the same. Um, but David did repent of his sin. And so if you have a sin, there's something in your life that you need to repent of, repent of it, confess it. And the last one is uh, Judas. Judas, one of the disciples of Jesus. Uh, Judas, what was his lust and temptation? Eh, we don't know of it being a female, but it's power and money and greed and stature and position. And we all want that on some level. We, we all want to be good at what we do. We all want our boss to think we're highly valuable. We all want to be a person of influence. Um, I've rarely met guys who don't desire to be that. I have met guys that don't, uh, but there's usually a sin issue somewhere else. And so when it comes to that, what did Judas do? He betrayed Jesus for some silver, and he tried to give it back once he realized he made a big mistake. And he said, "We don't. it's blood money. We don't, we don't want it. 
And so Judas went out and bought a field and a piece of rope and hung himself. I absolutely believe that God would have forgiven Judas of his sin. Um, but he didn't. Uh, he, he didn't because Judas took his life in his own hands. Guys, you're never too far from the forgiveness of God, no matter what you've done. Make sure that you repent of that, have a conversation with God, you confess that sin before Him, and then you walk in a new life, that you take the proper steps to make sure um, that you don't keep living in this pitfall of lust and temptation, and it doesn't keep consuming you. Because for some guys, uh, we're passing these things down like a family recipe to the next generation. So how do we walk in victory? There's five things here. One, you need accountability. You need someone who's willing to ask you the hard questions, give them permission, allow them to do it, and then listen to them. This person has to be someone who's not afraid of you, someone who is able to ask you hard things, who's, who's going to be somewhat familiar with your life. Um, ideally, they're around you on a regular basis, but if they can't be around you on a regular basis, you need to have regular contact with them and be willing to tell them the truth. So accountability. Number two would be guardrails. Um, I call this non-negotiables. What are some non-negotiables in your life? For some of the men in tribe, a non-negotiable was they uh, got rid of Netflix. They said it was too tempting. It was too, there was too much garbage on Netflix. Um, it might be setting up some things in your life where um, internet filters. I know there's apps for, for that. I think there's a lot of things that you can utilize if you want. But you have to say, what are some guardrails? For us, we don't have uh, certain pieces of mail. Like there's no Victoria's Secret catalogs coming to our house. There's um, other catalogs. We don't have you know GQ men come to our, whatever it is. You know, um, I wouldn't let someone sit in my home dressed like that. Why am I going to leave them on the, the countertop? I certainly don't want my kids to come across them um, if that's the case. So we try to be mindful of that. We're headed. Our head is always on a swivel when it comes to those pitfalls. Number four is you need to identify the weak moments and seasons in your life. Is there a certain time of day that you always feel prone to lustful thoughts or websites or that you're drifting? Is there seasons where you're like, I'm overwhelmed and I drink more there than I ever do. Uh, when I drink, it leads me to do this. Is What what are the areas? What are the, the times in your life? And you know what they are. You probably don't have to have someone tell you what those are. There's probably people in your life who are probably aware of it a little bit, but you're going to know more than anything. Man, at this time of day, at this time of night, uh, maybe you travel a lot. Okay, then don't turn the TV on. You know, do something. Do something. Stay busy. You know, whatever you have to do. Uh, get out of the house. Go for lots of walks, whatever. Um, you know, hey, I, I want to work out, but everyone at the gym is dressed inappropriately. Um, they need to work out at home. Then that's not good for you if you just can't, you know, like what at the, in a year from now, do you want these lustful thoughts and attitudes and actions and behaviors? Do you want to be an old pervy man? Is that what you want to be? Do you want to be a guy who's destroyed, you know, his marriage or his children or his legacy because he just couldn't stop pursuing women and it just became like this habitual thing? Or do you want to be faithful to the bride of your youth? I mean, that sounds so old-fashioned, but ask yourself, you're 75 years old, do you want to be sitting next to your bride that you were faithful to and you got this incredible story and legacy? Or do you want to be on wife number four or girlfriend number, you know, whatever? Um, and just think, think about that. And the last one is this, get in the Word of God. Get in the Word of God. There's no way you're going to be a man of God if you're not in the Word of God. And if you're a pastor or in ministry, you definitely need to make sure you are in the Word of God every day. Every day. One, it's hard to stand in front of people and say they need to do something you're not doing. But two, uh, you're just under attack. Guys, we, we will be under attack a lot. When we desire to lead well, Satan will desire to attack you. When he's not attacking you and coming after you, 
means you're pretty much ineffective. It means there's really no, he's got you. There's, there's no, there's no desire. There's no pursuit there because he's, he's already got you. So, uh, make sure that you are in the Word of God, staying grounded in Scripture, finding other men that you can talk to about that. You, you can do one more round with your church, a 12 week study through the life of David. We talk about temptation. We talk about a lot of things, but temptation's one of the rounds. Um, certainly Tribe, the registration's open now till the, uh, end of May of 2019, and then it won't open again till October 2019. But uh, that's another opportunity to be around some guys on a regular basis and grow with them and connect with them. So uh, find them. They're online or they're in real life. Get yourself around other guys. So guys, we can walk in victory. We have to decide kind of that line in the sand moment. I'm not going to live like this no more. I'm going to quit cold turkey. I'm going to take radical steps to make sure that I have victory over lust and temptation, that I'm not a victim to this anymore. And I'm not blaming God or blaming other people for my pitfalls, that that I'm a grown man and and I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to walk in truth. And um, and one of the quickest ways to do this really well, uh, once again, is get around other people. If, If you can't find them in your church, if you can't find them in your community, find them online. Get connected to our closed Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Pursuit of Manliness. Um, there's other places. There's other places. Just find guys who are like-minded, who will hold you to a higher standard. And then you really will uh, understand what we're talking about when we say we desire to build better men together. All right, men. I'll talk to you guys after a while.